welcome to Binge Lit. My name is Anya. And I'm Grace. Join us for an incoherent retelling of book-to-screen adaptations. Our Venn diagram of interest is like polka dots. You never know, and we don't even know, what you'll get with the Renaissance Women of Streaming. Hello. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> That's my Elvis greeting. Was that good? Wow, it was like Elvis was in the room with us Thank just you. now. Elvis is in the building. You know what? We have a hard and fast rule on this podcast, but we are not allowed to sing. And this one is really going to test us Is it, though? Today. Because I feel like, at least for, like, other people, we can, like, sort of, kind of, roughly mimic. Not well, but Elvis, I feel like, is a different level. Well, yeah, I feel like Elvis is one of those things where you think it's going to be easy to mimic, and lots of people do impressions, and almost no one is good at it. What was that guy's name? Austin Butler? Yeah. Case in point. You know what? He looked the part for sure. Austin he Butler. was beautiful. Yeah. Those cheekbones. The, the physicality. He looked just like him. He really did. But the voice, there was something about the voice that was off, and that Turns was the out. difference. With Jacob Alordi, our second Elvis actor, didn't look the part, was distractingly tall. Yeah. But that was... had the voice, which is interesting because he's Australian. Yeah. Well, if you haven't caught on yet, today we are covering the new Sofia Coppola film, Priscilla, which is based on the book that Priscilla wrote, her autobiography, Elvis and Me, from 1985. So we went into this film, I think both of us like not really knowing what to expect, right? I had seen the kooky, crazy Austin Butler, Boz Lerman Elvis before. And I, you know, I've been to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame several times, but that was really the extent of my knowledge going into this. Yeah, I didn't know anything about Priscilla. I feel like I know a lot more about Elvis just because it's Elvis. Um, but I think like Priscilla for me, she was always, I mean, I know, I knew what she looked like in like the early sixties with like the big hair and the like dark makeup. And that is like the extent of it really. And then I know more recently, I knew that she was kind of like involved in a little bit of drama, like family drama, Mm -hmm. but I'll be honest, like I completely forgot about like large portions of like that Presley's like modern history, like Mm -hmm. Lisa Marie dating Michael Jackson. Yeah, I forgot about that too. Completely forgot about and that. And Nicolas Cage too. Mm-hmm. I also didn't realize that she had like young, like she has like young children. Yeah. That are, that like are under the age of 15. Yeah. That I, yeah, I guess there's a lot, there's a lot of the Presleys I just, you just like hear like growing up because they're just such a big part of Hollywood now. But I, mm-hmm. I really forgot like the story of it all. Yeah. Well, we did talk about uh, Priscilla's granddaughter, Riley Keough, in uh, the Daisy Jones in the Six. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, I mean, I kind of was like, oh, yeah, that's Elvis's granddaughter, but like didn't even really super know much of her story. No. So we learned about Priscilla. We read the book, so you don't have to. And we learned some kooky, crazy stuff about Priscilla and Elvis and their life together. And first, you know, it starts, and this is like the major headline. They met and they got together when she was 14 and he was 24, 10 year age difference. Yeah. And 
It's hard to, it's hard to, it's weird to take in from like a modern perspective, I guess. I mean, I don't even think it's weird to take in just from a modern perspective. I feel like at the time it was weird to take in Mm -hmm. like that because I feel like when I first heard of that, I was like, which was recently, I didn't know that before, but I think when I was like reading this and found out she was only 14 when she first met him, I thought it was like, oh, maybe it's just like an, like a, a consequence of the time. But that wasn't true because they're talking about statutory rape and how it's illegal yeah. the entire way through. Yeah. Meanwhile, we're not going to, like, stop it. Yeah. We're just going to acknowledge it and move on. Yeah. yeah so that was weird for me. <laughs> well, there's a lot of things that's weird about, like, Elvis's life, though, right? Like, it, it, like there's a lot of things where, like, there's some really weird stuff going on right now. And everyone knows that it's weird. And we're just going to, like accept that and keep going like what you know like his drug his drug addiction oh yeah his inability to be alone for any length of time his buddies and how they have to be around 24 7 all the money he's spending all the bad business decisions that are happening the colonel i mean there's like a lot of really bad shit going on with elvis in the 50s and 60s and 70s which is almost his whole life And even before that, we're like, we're just like, oh, yeah, uh uh-huh, normal, and just keep going. We just accepted that as a fact of life. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's, like, so hard because he was, like, he was supporting his family from the age of, what, 13? Yeah. And so I just feel like that dynamic probably, I feel like, I don't know, like, maybe he just didn't have the chance to grow up or, like, maybe that, like, colored a lot of his relationships because he was definitely... Like, I remember hearing that his, like, mom, when they moved into, like, a new house, gave him the master bedroom. Like, her and her husband gave him the master bedroom because he was, like, the one bringing in the money. Mm. And so, and this was when he was, like, a preteen. Yeah. So I just feel like it was a very different, like, family dynamic. Yeah. It was a very unusual, well, he was, like, the prince of that house. Like, there, it was yeah. a very unusual family dynamic. Honestly, it reminds me of my parents and our dog. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, he's got the hair, so he's halfway there. Uh, I mean, he did have, like, such a weird relationship with his mom. Um, Yeah, and then also, like, basically tried to make every single woman he dated after into his mother. Especially Priscilla. Yeah. His mom really made an impression on him. I know we were watching a documentary, and they were, like, they were so close, like, you couldn't tell, like, where the like the mom ended and the son began. Yeah. And I was like, I know that you're like saying that to be nice, but that is a huge red flag yeah. in my book. Yeah. Too much mama's boy. This is weird. Well, he was, and we're going to get into this when we talk more about Priscilla, but he, his mom was very Southern from a very certain time and had like a big thing about like how women should behave and yeah. act and I don't know, conduct themselves. And so Elvis really internalized all that, which is, like, a large part of, like, why why their relationship is what it is. Because he did basically have to essentially groom a perfect partner for himself because she had Mm -hmm. to be a virgin. She had to, like, aesthetically meet these things. She had to, like, act a certain way in public and be, like, different. So, like, there were just so many rules he had to live by. And I truly think that that, a lot of that came from his mom. Yeah. No, it totally did. I mean, he had, like, he's, like, a textbook definition of, like, a guy with a, like, a Madonna whore complex. Well, and it's also, like, his mom dies. He goes off to the army. And then all of a sudden, he, like, finds Priscilla and is, like, grooming her to be. But, like, that's the reason why, apparently, the Anita of it all. I didn't realize Um, Anita was, like, the chosen 
Yeah, she was going to be the one. Yeah. Yeah. She had the mom's, she had Gladys's stamp of approval. Yeah. But then she didn't make the cut because Priscilla showed up. And I didn't also realize, I, I knew that Priscilla was younger. I knew, like, I knew a little bit of Priscilla, but I really did not realize that they met in Germany while he was stationed in Germany. I that totally missed that uh, on my many tours of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. <laughs> no one mentioned that. But that's the thing. There's actually like a lot of things about Priscilla that no one mentions. And she's just like a footnote in Elvis's story. Well, like, um, at the time, people didn't even know her. They, they referred to her as like Hollywood's best kept secret. Yeah. Like but, she didn't really hit the scene until they were married. I know. I mean, know. rightly so. It was illegal. I know. <laughs> even that they didn't. Yeah. Like they, even their wedding was like so weirdly secretive. They're like flying all over and then they like show up in Las Vegas and they get married. They're like, OK, now blah, 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 blah. <laughs> they like rush out of there again. Yeah, it was it was bizarre. Well, and it's always like. The, basically, Priscilla in interviews is always like, well, we wanted to keep it like private and intimate. But like, it wasn't a Priscilla decision. It wasn't no. an Elvis decision. It was 100% the Colonel. Yeah. And he like basically was like, these are the only people you're allowed to have. Like, this is the room you're going to have it in. And then we're going to go do a press conference. Mm-hmm. Like, basically, it was just to make money. Yeah. Like, he wanted to sell those photos. He wanted it to be like sensationalized. Yeah. And then he, he made all this drama in the the Memphis Mafia. Honestly. Which is uh, Elvis's crew. His gang the tough. Yeah. <laughs> his yeah. little TCB gang. You know, they would always run around with those TCB necklaces, his inner sanctum. Which apparently Priscilla designed the... I know, Priscilla designed that, but then she and all the wives would have TLC, Tender Loving Care. But, like the learning channel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I think, that, yeah, I mean, there is definitely like such a crazy double standard for like men and women in Elvis's world. But the other thing is that like Elvis has so many rules about everything all the time, not just women, men too. Everybody all the time has, he is like imposing rules on. Mm-hmm. And it's really crazy. I mean, all his buddies, the TCB gang, they all have to like be there at a certain time. He can't sleep alone because he's too afraid of sleepwalking. So that someone has to be sleeping in the room with him all the time. He just like, he wouldn't, it, like he, he used to like to drive. When in the 50s, when they would like go on tour, he would drive. But then James Dean was in that car accident and he got too scared of driving. So then he was like, OK, we're going to fly. But then Gladys was too afraid of him flying. And so then they were like, OK, we're going to take trains. And he was taking trains like all across the country. And they're like, well, at least he's getting some sleep. Like he just like had there was tons and tons of rules in Elvis's world all the time. He was like kind of neurotic. Oh, yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. But like, I guess it's at, at, at odds with like his public persona or at least just like the way he presents because the, the way he talks and the way he acts, he seems so like loosey goosey. And with the boys and everything, he seems so like carefree and cavalier. I feel like he was carefree and cavalier and was loosey goosey, but just needed to have all these things in order to get there. And, or, and yeah. so I think that's why a lot of this was just happening and no one was questioning it. Because he was making everyone so much money. He was such a creative. Yeah. I think they were like, listen, this is working. Yeah. We're just going to well, yeah. go with it. He literally has everyone in his world on his payroll. I mean, he's like, he's paying for everything for everyone all the time. I mean, his dad works for him. All of his cousins work for him. All of his friends work for him. So they're like, well, we can't fight him because he's also our boss. So what he says goes. Like, I guess we do what Elvis says. And so they're like, oh, now he's dating this 14-year-old girl. I guess we're all, we're cool with that. Yeah. <laughs> then then if you did anything or questioned him in any way, he would just like turn on you in a snap and just like kick you out of the gang. Yeah. Let's go back to this dating a 14 okay. year old yeah. girl. Because I just feel like this seems insane to me. I know. 
But I mean, I guess the thing is also the more you learn, though, like all of his girlfriends are under 20 at that time. Yeah. Well, apparently at the same time yeah. that he was dating. he Yeah. He also had that German girlfriend who was basically living with him. Yeah. Who they called Legs. Yeah. And I was like, she's 15. Yeah. She was 15. But also it's not just Elvis. Like there's like the other guys like in his circle that are doing the same thing. So Cary Grant, for instance, mm. is... Wait, not Cary Grant. Sorry. I was be like, Cary Grant was in his, was in the Memphis Mafia. <laughs> no, wow. not Cary Grant. Curry Grant. Curry Grant. <laughs> okay. So let's like, I really, we're just going to talk about this because it made me very, very bad. But I okay. also just like want to know, I am also just curious to know like your person, your interpretation or your rea- reaction to this. So I also read a different book that is called Child Bride by mm. Suzanne Finstad. Okay. Have you heard anything about this? No. Okay. I don't know anything about this book. So I started this book, and at first I was like, okay, yeah, this is, like, showing, like, a different side than what, like, Priscilla presented in her biography. Because in Elvis and Me, it's just a very, like, sanitized, beautiful kind of, like, I mean, there's hard things, but we kind of gloss over it. And yeah. listening to the audiobook, she kind of laughs her way through it. Yeah, she so really you're does. like, how seriously are you actually taking this? <laughs> I know. She just, like, giggles at the most awkward times. Like, she's yeah. like, yeah. And then he made this really off-color joke. <laughs> 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 Ooh, okay. <laughs> but anyway, so, like, this other book really goes into it. And it's like, Priscilla was traumatized from an early age because she never knew who she truly was because her mother hid the fact that her father wasn't her father. Oh. You know what? We did just casually drop that in her book and she was just like, yeah, my dad wasn't my dad. Anyway, so Elvis was my boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> and the reason why she finds it is because she finds her dad's like old like service memorial flag. Like that. Yeah. That's a lot. Anyway, so we do kind this book, the Child Bride book by Suzanne Finstad is basically vilifying Priscilla. Oh and, yeah. And at first I was like, oh, this is fine. Cause it was basically just talking about how Priscilla actually didn't have any control. It was like more her mom and her dad who were like orchestrating her meeting with Elvis. What? Okay. And I was like, okay, I can see that That's because like different than the take. It is different than the take, but yeah. you know what? Like I could see that cause her mom was very much like a toddlers and tiara type of mom. Like okay. she would like put her into beauty contests, like get her photo taken, like was obsessed with Priscilla's like looks. Yeah. But then the book kept going. Okay. I mean, I do have to say that I, in Priscilla's take on her own story in her book, I did think that the parents' behavior was odd because they're like, oh, we're just worried you're going to get your heart broken. It's like, is that, we're not worried about like abuse happening? Yeah. No. And they're like, we just want to make, like their primary concern is that like he's doing all this stuff and he's not going to marry her. That seems like their primary concern. Yeah. Well, I also feel like in Priscilla's book, she kind of talks about her stepfather and you get the feeling that there's, like, something, like, up there. Like, yeah. he might have been violent or there might have been... Well, they, yeah, she just mentions, like, oh, we butted heads. Yeah. Yeah. So I just feel like her book doesn't really... It doesn't really go into the nitty-gritty. And no. I feel like the Suzanne Finstead book really does. Okay. However, this is where it lost me. So okay. Priscilla... In her story, she's like, oh, I was approached by Curry Grant. And he yeah. was like, because she was super hot, this super sexy 14-year-old sitting at a bar. Pre- homecoming and he was like, queen. Yeah. yeah, he was like, come on, let's meet Elvis. <laughs> and she was like, sure, Teen I don't Texas know Elvis. Or something, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but like in this book, she was like, no, no, no. Priscilla knew Elvis. She was like on a mission to meet him. She was like seeking out people at the soda shop, like specifically asking, went to Cary Grant, promised him sexual favors <gasps> in 
like in like made a deal with him that she would like Whoa. have sex with him <gasps> in return for meeting with Elvis. And like the whole thing about Priscilla's book is like we did not have sex. Mm-hmm. Like we like I was a virgin until I was married. That was like really important to Elvis. Like every time Elvis and I would meet up after like years of not seeing each other, that was the first thing he would go towards. Mm-hmm. And so this book is like really obsessed with kind of like setting and showing that Priscilla is this like sex pot and this wild child. Like they went back, like Suzanne Finstad went back and interviewed kids that knew, grew up with Priscilla in like high school and earlier. And they were like, yeah, all the boys were like, yeah, she would like be really, she was really trying to push things and trying to like kiss me and take it further. But like everyone she's interviewing are guys that I just like don't trust. They're like ex-boyfriends or Curry Grant. And we're taking Curry Grant's side of the story. And this is the man that in her book she accused of sexually trying oh, to sexually that the guy assault who was her. Driving? Yes. And oh. he's like, no, we just like pulled off on a dirt road and we would kiss. And like when you said stop, I would stop. Or you like didn't say stop. So we kept going. And he's admitted to having sex, like cheating on his wife and having sex with a 14-year-old. Yeah, I don't trust his and so, side of the story. No, not at all. And so her thing is like, why would he lie? Because he's already admitting something. And I was like, why would a 14-year-old? She's, regardless, she does not, ha- she's not able to give consent. So right. at the end of the day, right. like I- it's still statutory <laughs> rape. I don't understand why we're trying to like vilify this 14-year-old. Yeah, I don't. Anyway, that's where this book lost me. Okay. And I was so mad that I like, after I finished this book, I Googled it. Yeah. Turns out Priscilla was also fucking pissed. Sued Curry <gasps> Grant for defamation, <gasps> won the lawsuit, oh and walked away with $75,000. So she's saying, so she won in a court of law saying that he slandered. This was not consensual, and, or saying no, she's slandered. No, just saying that she slandered. had sex with him. It was slander. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And he countersued her and, and did it and lost. Wow. Yeah. Well, then I guess we know where we stand. Yeah. Suzanne Finstead or whatever I know. your name is. I know. So like at first I was like, oh, this is going to be like a really good like book. I do not recommend it. Don't read it. Did you read the rest of it? Yeah, I finished it. What were the other things I had to say? So honestly, I was so mad. Halfway through this book, we were still talking about the fact if she like is she or isn't she a virgin. Oh, well, that's dumb. Like okay. more than half of the book was focused on that. Then, like, the last half. What is this? The court of King Henry VIII? No, it was insane. I was like, why are we, like, sex shaming a child who's been abused her entire life? Yeah. Like, I don't understand <laughs> what, like, where, why this you're getting weird. off on this. Yeah. And also, it's like, the people she was interviewing aren't people in, like, Priscilla's circle. They're, like, people that have, like, an ulterior motive. And it's like, well, of course, like... Elvis's ex-girlfriend is gonna be like yeah yeah, of course like Curry Grant is gonna have like shit to say like and Joe Esposito's like family like I don't know like it just didn't I was very disappointed in the book so because I expected to go into this and you were gonna say like oh this book Child Bride is gonna like have some really damning evidence about how Elvis was like a manipulator and abuser, but actually it was very pro Elvis. It's pro Elvis anti Priscilla saying that Priscilla is the manipulator. No, this whole thing was like, this was the master plan orchestrated by a 14 year old girl (laughs) who was obsessed with this global superstar (laughs) and weaseled her way in and tricked him into marrying by only showing him a very, like a very specific facade. And I'm like, no, he fucking groomed her also, and made her exactly who she was. Like, he wouldn't let her, like, dress the way she wanted. He, like, had to, like, force her into these things. Like, I who, what? We, it wasn't her 
idea to have her come live at Graceland. It was yeah. his idea. Like there, yeah. were th- like, there were a lot of things that happened that were driven by him, orchestrated by him. And, like, even if she was, like, trying really hard to meet Elvis, what 14-year-old girl is not trying to meet a pop star? Like, please find me one. Yeah. And I will then Listen, eat my words. I am a 30-year-old woman <laughs> and still trying to meet a pop star. Listen, like, if I had the chance to meet Elvis if he was still alive, right now, I 100%. would do it. Like, I... I would meet. I just think I like know. the fact that we think there's like her motives. We just like can't trust her. I'm just like, this is dumb. So yeah. I was very mad about that book. And so I feel like after reading that, I was like, Priscilla is the underdog. She's been vilified. It's unfair. Like blah, blah, blah. So I was like team Priscilla. Yeah. Um. Well, you know, I read a different book about Elvis, which is from the perspective, it's one of the only biographies of Elvis that's written by a woman, which I thought was very interesting because most biographies about Elvis are written by men. I mean, most biographies of anybody is written by men, right? But um, so it was really interesting to read this, this book, Elvis Presley, The Man, The Life, The Legend by Pamela Keogh, not related I was just about to ask. I looked it up. I was like, holy shit. Is this related to what's her name, Keogh? It's not. Um, But what I thought was really interesting, when I was reading this, you know, I read Priscilla's book and then I read hers. And in Priscilla's book, there is a lot of things where it does seem like it kind of just like happens to her. Like a lot of a lot of her story is just kind of like happening to her. And she's like, oh, and, you know, she is motivated by, like, I really, really want to stay in his life. I really, really love him. And I, like, want to stick around and I'll do anything I can to stick around, even if it means uh, giving up things that I like, my time, my interests, yeah, my, all, my everything. I will give it up for Elvis. But then all the thing, all the places he takes me and all the life that I live and the decisions are made for me. And that's kind of like where it seems like Priscilla is coming from. But this book actually had a really interesting take on her that I kind of loved. It says that like, like she was, she did have a more mature appearance at 14 than you would have thought. She was remarkably self-possessed. And you can kind of, once you think about that, you actually can kind of see it. She's tougher than she looks or gives herself credit for. She goes through these really, really hard things with Elvis and with all the people around her. I mean, you know, like when you're 14 and people are making fun of you or whispering behind your back the way that people were in her school, that can be devastating. But yeah. it really didn't even, she, it kind of just like slid right off her. A lot of things just like glance right off. Even Elvis yelling at her kind of just like glances off. And she's uh-huh. like, okay, well, I didn't like it. But, um, and so it gives, it gives her the credit for being persistent. Oh, yeah. And, and I, yeah. And I think we see that today. Like, I honestly, going back, I didn't know a lot about Priscilla. so. Learning, like, everything she's done kind of, like, after Mm -hmm. Elvis's death. Like, honestly, she's very similar to one of our, the wives of our founding father. I can't even remember her name. Alexander Hamilton's wife. Oh. uh, What's um, her name? (laughs) (laughs) Mrs. Hamilton? Eliza. 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 Skylar sisters. (laughs) What am I saying? (laughs) But, like, yeah, because you know how, like, after Hamilton died, like, Eliza, like, dedicated her life. Yeah. So, like, Priscilla, I feel like she didn't, like, dedicate her life to Elvis, but she did a lot for his, like, legacy and his memory. Mm-hmm. Like, this whole kind of, like, Elvis Presley, like, enterprises. Like, by the time he died, Lisa Marie had, like, hardly any money left. Mm-hmm. I think it was, like, under a million dollars. Yeah. And then... Thanks, Colonel. Exactly. And, like, because Graceland, the upkeep of Graceland was really expensive. Yeah. And so they were just, like, hemorrhaging money. And so 
uh, Priscilla came in and uh, appointed herself like chairman and turned the entire enterprise around. And like they like now it's worth like mil- like hundreds, I think like a hundred million dollars. It's like worth like a crazy amount of money. But she like went to like RCA records and like got his royalties back. Like she like really fought for like they get the estate gets a cut of like using his name, his likeness, like any sort of like merchandise. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can argue and she probably did go too far in like some instances. And so like he had like ex-girlfriends who he gifted houses to and she then charged them <laughs> for those houses. So like, yeah. And I think that's also kind of so people do like view Priscilla as also kind of like a gold digger because they're like all she's in it for the money and mm-hmm. like with what's happened recently after the death of like her daughter Lisa Marie like a lot of people are pointing fingers at her again like just that she oh. want, is trying to get her hands on this money well yeah didn't but, she have like kind of a a tiff she with did her granddaughter Riley yeah she did have a tiff with her granddaughter I honestly just like don't really know that much about it I like basically she she initiated it Mm. and like Priscilla initiated it and contested the will um the validity of it so I guess Lisa Marie changed the trustees over to her daughter and removed her mother um and so Priscilla basically was questioning that and so it was resolved outside of court and she was essentially paid off like a million dollars and is like guaranteed I think a hundred thousand dollars a year for the next 10 years so there's a lot of people being like, she basically just contested this to make like make money for herself. And like, she's like mm. trying to, but I'm like this woman, there wouldn't be this trust if it wasn't for this woman. No. So I don't know how I really feel like, feel about it. I really do view Priscilla. And I feel like the more we do this podcast, the more we see like women just kind of getting the short end of the stick and being these villains that I yeah. just don't really think is deserved. So yeah. I'm going to give Priscilla the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. You know what? I agree. I agree. And I mean, I think that what also was really interesting about her, well, you know, a lot of people also like accuse Priscilla in addition to like being a gold digger. They're just like, oh, she's just the girl that happened to turn up at the right time for Elvis. And just like that's she just like was there and that was the right time. But I actually would contest that, too. I actually think like in a lot of ways, she was like a very nearly perfect match for him. I mean, the age difference and the weird grooming aside, which is a thing that we, like, even I am now, like, a little bit too comfortable with. Like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, he did that, and that just is what it is, but they're still a perfect match. But, like, it's true, though, that, like, without knowing it, she was passing a lot of his tests that Mm -hmm. he didn't even know he had. So she was very extraordinarily loyal to him Mm -hmm. in the face of a lot of things, even within her own family with her parents. She was loyal to him. She never went to the press with anything. And to be clear, like, Elvis was dating... At the same time that he was dating her, a lot of other women and like trying a lot of other people on for size and seeing if they would stack up to what he was expecting. And she's the only one who ever like passed the test. Even Anita, who came very close, didn't pass the test. Um, She kept all his secrets. She didn't expose him. He would he would tell her very vulnerable things. She wouldn't judge him. And then no one else ever heard about it. And I think that was really important to him. And also, <laughs> what's really, this is where the book gets weird, though. And I wrote this down because I was like, this is weird. But I could 100% see Elvis, like, knowing Elvis, thinking this is a thing. Once she dyed her hair, she basically looked like a female version of him. Like, the mm-hmm. two of them are, like, male-female versions. Yeah. They're, like, twins. Twins is his thing. Mm-hmm. Like, Elvis had that twin, Jesse, who died when he was young. 
Well, not when he was young, when Aiden, he was stillborn, basically. And um, Elvis has been obsessed with that ever since, having that twin that he lost, and he would have dreams about him and nightmares about him and, like, all these thoughts about Jesse. But I think that it's, like, very important to him that, like, this, that, like, Priscilla or his partner is, like, this female version of him. I I agree. I completely agree. Like, I think the one thing I've learned about Elvis is just how vain he was. Yeah. Which I, this makes a lot of sense now with all of his like outfits and get-ups. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize how fixated on looks he was. He was, yeah. To the point where he would only wear like certain colors. He would also like dictate to Priscilla that she could only wear certain colors and like couldn't wear patterns. And they were the same and, colors, yeah. Exactly, yeah. And like the whole reason why he died, um, why he made them dye, I mean, they both dyed their hair black and she wore, wore like layers and layers of false eyelashes is because she had blue eyes and he had blue eyes and he was like the black. Mm-hmm. That's why he would wear mascara as well. Like the black brings out the eyes. Did you hear the thing about... obsessed with it. Did you hear the thing about how he was obsessed with having black hair because his mom told him at one point that he had an ancestor that was Native American? No. <laughs> I did not know this. He believed that he had an ancestor that was Native American and there was a, na- there was a name for this like ancestor and I don't remember what it is now. I did But not it turns out that th- this ancestor is completely fabricated. Okay, No one knows sense. where Gladys got this idea. Because I just heard it was like he was just vain. <laughs> well, he was. Well, he <laughs> Even when when Lisa Marie was born, the baby came out and she had black hair and he was like, oh, good. The baby's hair is the right color. That's the first thing he said. That's weird. But he liked the black hair because he thought that it was like from his Native American ancestry, which is. (laughs) But he didn't even naturally have black hair. (laughs) No, he didn't. He had brown hair (laughs) when he was a little kid. He had blonde hair. But then he started like he would use like black pomade. And then oh when God. he started being in movies, he just like straight up just started dying it black. His mom did have black hair. Yeah, that's what I thought. That's honestly why what I thought it was all about is like his mother. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, he was I mean, obsessed with her. I feel like everything her. is about I mean, his mother. I still think it's so weird that he called his mother satinin because her skin was soft like satin. What? Well, he like slept <laughs> in the bed with them. <laughs> Why are you feeling your mom's skin that much? I don't like that. And then he, when he met Priscilla, he transferred the name Satinin to Priscilla. And then he just started calling her Satinin. But also he was like so into baby talk and he would do a lot of like third person baby talk. So he would be like, he loves she. And that's, and that's, I, there are some things about I him that freak me out. Issues <laughs> with the nicknames. Cause it was always like little one or like baby. Little girl. It, yeah, yeah. It was definitely like things that like reminded us that she was underage. And I know. I was, like, I was like, I'm trying to forget this. Can yeah. you please stop? Like, he, <laughs> when she was pregnant, he was like, how could a youngin have an even smaller youngin? It was I like, know. Oh. 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 don't say it, Elvis. Don't oh, say Elvis. it. I mean, this is why, like, it, but like, he just has like, he's such a weird guy because at the same time, he also has this thing with Anne Margaret who is, who does challenge him, but she, you know, she's sexually liberated. So he can't, he can't be with her well that's the thing like he he wants to have sex with her but he doesn't he's not like attracted to her because he can't control her right and like that's the whole thing like he is never going to be with a woman he can't control even though Anne margaret was like absolutely in love with him yeah they could have been together yeah that just wasn't gonna happen no but he did have a bunch of weird nicknames too for Anne margaret he called her like thumper and scooby and rusty (laughs) Which are weirdly not feminine nicknames. 
<laughs> I don't know why. Well, didn't he? He like he didn't think she was very feminine. Didn't isn't that the actress he kind of like complained to Priscilla about? He was like her shoulders are like very broad, and she oh that's I think it's someone else. Yeah. Oh okay. No, he liked Anne Margaret, and they did sleep together, and they did date. No, I know that. Oh, okay. I I just thought that he was like he couldn't ever see her. I thought she was the one where he was like. She's, like, more of a man and, like, is very bossy, and I just, like, could never be with someone like that. Oh, I don't know. I thought that was Anne Margaret. I don't know. I don't think he was, was like, all oh, these actresses, they just know what they want. They well, just he, care yeah. about their career. And I think he did say that about her. Okay. But he did say someone, a different actress had man shoulders or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, you know, he said, he said a lot of things, this guy. and But what's weird and what's frustrating is that He's still, like, so charming, right? Like, that's, I don't know. I mean, he has a lot of charisma. Yeah. He's very talented. I still love his music. It's really hard. It's so good. And, I mean, I feel like what both of these movies, like, the Baz Luhrmann as well as the Sofia Coppola have showed us is, like, he is such a talent. Because none of these actors, I mean, what's his name? Is it Jason Alordi? Jacob Alordi. Jacob (laughs) Alordi. I feel like he got really, really close. And I know, like, Priscilla apparently was, like, crying because, like, he nailed the voice and she was so, like, taken aback. But even, I just, like, couldn't buy into it. I was like, you're not Elvis. Yeah. Like, he really is the king. Like He's, he's so just, particular. There's really, I really don't think anyone is ever going to. Yeah. To be able to replace him. Well, I did listen to an interview that Sofia Coppola did with uh, NPR. Fun fact, I one time saw Sofia Coppola at a cafe oh, that's in New York. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> we made eye contact, but then I was too scared to say anything. Um, but anyway, um she was saying she she was saying she went into this movie knowing that they were never gonna be able to cast someone who like was looked, Elvis. Was Elvis, was fully Elvis. So she was like, we I knew it was gonna be really, really hard to cast. And so she, like, someone else was like, why don't you just, like, meet Jacob Alordi and, like, give him a chance? And she was like, yeah, he doesn't look like him, but he has, he has, like, the charisma and the swagger. He has, like, a gravitas. And so she cast him based on that. He doesn't necessarily, like, look like him, but he did. I was really, really impressed with the voice. I thought he got the voice. I was impressed with the voice. I would say Austin Butler I was impressed with the look. I was impressed with the dance moves. I was impressed with, like, the lip syncing. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. The stage performance was the perf- next yeah, level. Yeah, that was very – That I bought into that. Whereas yeah. I feel like – I mean, the prop department was great on Priscilla and, like, put, put like, Elordi's face on, like, absolutely everything. Yeah. But I – yeah, I love how they, like, have all the posters and magazines and stuff with him on it, and it looked legit. Oh, see, I disagree. Oh. I feel like it took me out of it, because I saw his face, and I was like, that does not look like Elvis. And then oh. when I watched the Austin Butler playing Elvis, I was like, that looks like Elvis. Oh. And so, honestly, I wish I could have, like, combined yeah, we need to meld these them. actors, because then it would be, like, the perfect Elvis. Yeah, they, we need to meld them. Together. Yeah. But I just got so frustrated with the Boz Lerman Elvis movie with Austin Butler. I thought that Austin Butler did great, but the whole, that movie really pissed me off. I mean, I, first of all, I also hated it. I think, honestly, the movie would be fine if it wasn't for Tom Hanks. Like, I think Tom Hanks single-handedly tanked that movie. Yeah, he was. It was so bad. 500% too much. He was so intense. I just, like, don't know what he was 
like, was he on prescription drugs? Like, <laughs> what was going on? Well, you like, know, like, during the wait, movie. Wait, can we go back to the fact that Elvis was on all of these drugs, got a 14-year-old on drugs, meanwhile is campaigning to the White House. Yeah. To be like, I'm anti-drug, oh Nixon. Give me, like, a D- <laughs> DA badge. Only reason why he wanted it is so he could bring his prescription drugs with him listen, anywhere he went. Listen, that guy hates street drugs, okay? He hates a street drug. Oh, my yeah. God, the description of them trying to do LSD together <laughs> I, know. I know he really hates the he hates the marijuana oh he's trying God. to get it off the streets meanwhile he's doing straight up speed yeah he's doing so many drugs i mean didn't have the didn't they show like when they did that when they did like the autopsy and they like looked at his doctor after he died they were like this doctor has prescribed like 10,000 prescriptions yeah. in the past year like this guy is like he he was so drugged up so much it was crazy but I do love that story. And I think there's even a movie about it where he like goes and meets Nixon. And the reason he's doing it is he's like, A, I want to get my narc badge yeah. so I can be a narcotics officer. And when I get that narcotics badge, then I can roll around wherever I want with as many prescription drugs as I want and, and firearms. Those are the two things I want. And then Nixon's like, yeah, sure. Okay, here you go. But also he was like, I'm going to fight the communists with my karate skills. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> like, he, that was he his was whole plan. definitely delusional. <laughs> he was super delulu. Like the fact, like when he went to, when he went to like track down Nixon, he had like gotten in a fight with Priscilla, left Graceland that no one knew where he was. Yeah. Like had, I think like got sick in LA and then was like, I'm going to fly to DC yeah. And had no appointment and just showed up. But I also love how when he <laughs> when he left after that fight with, with Priscilla, Priscilla and all the guys are like, how is he going to get anywhere? He hasn't driven yeah, in years. He, he doesn't even know his own phone number. He doesn't have any keys. I know. Or cash. He's <laughs> he like a royal. Like, what does he get? I know. He literally is like the queen. Like, he's like... The thing is that also he's the king. Grace. He's the king. I'm so sorry, um, but like the thing is that Elvis in 20 years hasn't walked into a room and not been Elvis. Yeah, and so everywhere he goes, there's just like a party happening. Everyone's happy to see him all the time. I mean, the world just like warps around him. Yeah, and all the people who are close to him have warped themselves into his world because there's really like no other choice. Like if yeah. you don't warp to meet him, then you get kicked out and you're just not in his world anymore. Yeah, and. Priscilla is like the number unless one. You're bu- unless you're the colonel. Well. Because the colonel is the only one. And let's go back to the, <laughs> let's go back to Tom Hanks and this colonel. Okay. But like, he's the only one that is really able to manipulate Elvis. I know. The thing that pisses me off about the colonel, though, is that about Tom Hanks as the colonel is the accent. And I can't get over it. I would be offended. I know. But he's Dutch. That yeah, wasn't a sounds, Dutch accent. He sounds like an ex-SS like, officer well, who yeah, escaped. There, I know. There was a moment where I was like, this feels like weird, like racist to watch. Like, no, I honestly, can't. I was like, is the reason why he can't lose the, like, he doesn't have a passport because he's an ex-Nazi who fleed. We like, what? that's what I was thinking. I think there's some weird shit was going down on that Buzz Lerman movie because that was like filmed in 2020 in Australia. And that was when like Tom Hanks like got COVID while they were filming it. And his wife did too. But that also, Austin Butler, like, after that movie, like, he, like, had an emotional, like, a mental breakdown and had to, like, be admitted into a facility because he was like, I've lost track of who I am and I've lost myself in the role. I am Elvis. And I think that even to this day, he's like, I still fall into the accent and I can't get out. And it's like, you weren't that good, buddy. Honestly, I loved it. I guess it's like, because for me, all he has to do is do that, like, side eye 
with mm. like the side smile, like that, kind of that smirk in the cheekbones. And I'm like, yes. Austin, you look like Elvis <laughs> and I'm into it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But this was also, wasn't he still with, um, oh, this is a fun fact about Austin I know Butler. nothing about he Austin went so mu- he, he went so method with this that now he's dating a woman 10 years younger than him. Is she? she he's dating Kaya Gerber. Oh, okay. But she's of age. <laughs> she's 22. He's 32. Okay. I'm okay. As fun long fact, as she's of age, I'm fine. Fun fact that I learned, Austin Butler is like 18 days younger than me. That's a fun fact. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh my God. That's almost three weeks. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know what? It's almost as good as me meeting Sofia Coppola, not meeting, just seeing Sofia Coppola. Not all of us can have interesting lives, okay? You know I think Elvis died somewhere around my birth. Okay. Or was born somewhere around my birth. Wait, <laughs> That's a fun fact. Neither of those are true. Okay, what are you talking mind. about? No idea. <laughs> His birthday was January 8th. Well, that's near my birth. That's within near. three weeks. <laughs> no, it's, it's like, no, it's, it's not. 18 days. It's a little over a month, okay? <laughs> Anyway. Anyway. (laughs) So the one thing I do want to call out between the different movies is like when you watch the Baz Luhrmann, you do not realize she's 10 years younger than him. No. Like she looks like an adult the entire way through. Yeah. Whereas I was so impressed with the Sofia Coppola movie, Priscilla, Mm -hmm. because she does look like Like a a 14-year-old girl. Yeah. And so you see her standing beside Elvis and you're like oh this is not okay yeah but then it's like um it's like magical because like there's that one scene where she's visiting him and he like takes her shopping and she goes from like a 15 year old little girl Mm -hmm. to like a full-on woman yeah and then she's in Vegas and drinking and you're like oh yeah I can see it now like I wouldn't yeah question it yeah. It was it was pretty powerful. It really was. Well, I mean, also I think the height difference really played into it. Uh, for once, Jacob Elordi being extremely tall. Very tall. Really it made you was notice. Was Elvis that tall? No, no, no. Okay. Jacob Elordi is just very tall. Because I know Priscilla is pretty short. Yeah, Priscilla is short, but I think that Elvis is like around six feet tall. Oh, well, that's pretty tall. Which is tall. she's 5'4". But, but I want to say Jacob Elordi is like 6'5". Oh, jeez. <laughs> that guy's tall guy. Yeah. Um, But... Yeah, you know, I was really surprised because I heard from so many people before we saw this movie, everyone was like, oh, Priscilla's getting like mixed reviews and like everyone's saying it's not good or like people don't like it. I don't actually know if that is true. So much as just like the word of mouth that's like going around with like my dad and like various friends and people on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was really surprised to hear that take because I was like, no, I thought it was a well done movie. It was very different than I expected it to be. But it was a Sophie. I mean, it was like big time Sofia Coppola. Yeah, that's interesting because I heard the complete opposite. Oh, did I, you? Yeah, I heard like a lot of people absolutely that I was talking to really, really liked Priscilla. Okay, they said it's it it reminded them a lot of like Blonde in the way that it was like just a really depressing, consistently mm. sad tale. Yeah, because I think a lot, at least a lot of the people that I was talking to are are my age group and my friends. And so I don't think they really knew, like me, they didn't know a lot about the Priscilla story. Yeah. And so they they also aren't like really dedicated to Elvis. Yeah. So this, they're not watching this questioning the mm-hmm. motives. They're like taking this at face value and are like, wow, I didn't realize this man like was grooming this 14 year old mm-hmm. this entire time. So I think, I think like generationally, I feel like people are going to have different 
Yeah. It's just interesting. Maybe. I feel like this is going to be a contentious movie. Oh, it is. Well, I mean, I guess the other thing is that, like, anything that, from the perspective of a young woman is very prone to being criticized. Yeah. and But that's what, like, Sofia Coppola always does so well. She's all about young women and, like, their stories. And so you really are, like, in Priscilla's head, in Priscilla's shoes with her. Mm-hmm. And it is such an extraordinary story. Like It really is. And, I mean, even it's very similar to, like, our Brady podcast and what we talked about. Because, like, the first time I went through that book, the yeah. Pris- like Elvis and me, I was like, come on, Priscilla, like, I want more. Like, you're just kind of like, ha, right. ha, ha, like laughing your way through this. Like, I want nitty and gritty, but she doesn't owe us that. Yeah. And the thing is, is like, this is her story. Yeah. And for her, it is a love story and it is something beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I do truly believe that they like loved each other and yeah. they still do because she was even talking about like when they were getting divorced, mm-hmm. she was like, I have to do this or I'll never leave. And yeah. I do think. With all kind of like the questionable issues and fights and abuse that happened, I do think there was still was like they had a very deep connection that lasted until he died. Yeah. I mean, I kind of came away with it, too, being like they're two flawed people mm-hmm. who really have a genuine connection and are as close to perfect as they could have been, given how kind of flawed they are. Yeah. Um. And they did, I mean, and I think that even she was holding out hope that, like, maybe they would get back together again later in life. And they talked about that. Yeah, they did talk about that. And they held hands at the divorce. And Yeah, to the point where the lawyer's like, are you sure you want to do this? Yeah. <laughs> like, no, I think but there was a lot But she had to. I mean, it there. took a lot of courage for her, and I have so much respect for her for leaving when yeah. she did. That's really remarkable. And she really, she did it for herself, and she, it was the right call because she flourished. Like, she had her own clothing company. She became an actress. I didn't realize she was on Dallas. Yeah. Like she... We shoot a bunch of businesses. Yeah, yeah. she had like perfume company. Like she was killing it. Yeah. Anyway, and I do think it's part of this kind of court case and the settlement with the um, with the trust, Lisa Marie's trust, is that Priscilla is going to be buried in the oh. meditation garden in Graceland, um, beside all this. Oh, well, that's nice. Yeah, so that's nice. That is very, very nice. Yeah. And I think that, and the fact that, like, Riley, that was part of the the settlement. And so I think that really goes to show that she's, like, even the family, like, truly still yeah. recognizes, like, the love that's there. Yeah, totally. Well, I also think that this book, much like Britney's book, was very strategically smart of her. Like she put this book out in 1985, which is just a little while after he died, really. And um she, that means that she has been the predominant voice in her own story ever since then because there have been so many Elvis biographies and movies and documentaries and stories since then. And whenever you read any of them, all of those biographies basically lift line for line all kinds of stories directly from her book. Like she got to be the one who told her story and so, I mean, I think that it was really smart of her to do. Yeah. I mean, that's the main gripe with the Child Bride Suzanne Finstad book. But honestly, I just don't trust her. So it's not worth your time to read it. No. <laughs> read Elvis and Me. Yeah. It honestly, it's very interesting. You can check the show notes for the other books and documentaries and stuff. And that I will, watched. I will, I'm also going to plug the audiobook for Elvis and Me because it's actually read by Priscilla Presley. Yeah. And that, is really cool. And you can hear her giggle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Elvis has left the building. Thank you for listening to Binge Lit. If you enjoyed this episode, we have many more like it. 
You can subscribe to our podcast anywhere podcasts are found and leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. Follow along on Instagram, TikTok, and Patreon. You can find the links in our show notes. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.